Esports is one of the fastest growing industries in the world. And this is the podcast where we talk all things branding, marketing, sponsorship, and events. I'm Rebecca Langawa, founder of Happy Warrior, and I'm an esports brand builder and strategist. Join me as I discuss the world of marketing and esports with some of the top experts in the industry. Welcome to the future marketing in esports. Hello and welcome to the future of marketing and esports. I'm your host, Rebecca Langawa, and today I'm really lucky to have Eric Stark with us on the show. Eric is the co-founder and COO of Slate. Slate is a sports technology and esports tech startup. Eric, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me and my very deep voice. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I like get into like podcast voice, which is like Mickey Mouse voice. Which is, <laughs> I don't know why I do it, but it's funny. I listen back. I'm like, is that how I sound sometimes? My kids make fun of me. So we met, it feels like we met 10 years ago. <laughs> it was like 10 years COVID time. We met yep. in January at the Call of Duty's launch event, which was in my hometown of Minneapolis. And you guys were there at like your baller status, I would say, at that <laughs> event because you came as guests of the one and only Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah, we were there through, I guess, through his connection from from Wise Ventures, who had just, I guess, at that time the they weren't the ink wasn't dry yet on them investing in us. They were going to come on as as our investors there, and it was a really good opportunity for us to meet them and see the Vikings who are a slate customer and just see an esports event like that in person. And we met a ton of different folks in the in the esports world and learned a lot about about it. So that was a really good event. And like you said, it feels feels 10 years ago. I've aged a lot since then as everyone has. But yeah, it was probably one of the last I think that was the last time I was on a plane until very, very recently for for many months. So it does feel like a long time ago. <laughs> That is crazy. And you started in traditional sports. Was that your first esports event that you went to, or had you been to one before? I guess I had not been to an esports event before that. No. So yeah, that would that would have been my first. I've been to some sort of esports like activations that were tied more to the NFL, like a Madden mm-hmm. competition, but it wasn't necessarily right. like an event dedicated just to esports teams in a professional setting. What were your what were your thoughts when you went to that event? Could you see an application for your product within esports right away? Or did that help solidify creating an esports strategy? Yeah, I definitely definitely from the conversations we were having with a lot of different teams and marketers and, and sponsorship people in the esports world we left that event pretty pretty excited about all the different applications for a tool like Slate within esports, I think for a few different reasons. Obviously, the event itself, having live events lends itself to real-time social media content, more content, behind-the-scenes content, which our tool helps uh, power the production of. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, just the strategies that the teams were talking about in trying to develop a more robust content strategy and also really trying to develop the brands of the teams that didn't have, unlike traditional sports, don't have historical 
historical brand relevance, trying to bring these new logos and colors into kind of this audience and really thinking about how social could be used to reinforce these new brands and how it got our wheels turning about how our platform could could help in that area. Yeah, I talked to a lot of startups that really were birthed out of traditional sports like yours, and they start seeing the potential within esports. But our listeners are probably like, what the hell are they talking about? What is Slate? What is this thing? What does it do? It is really an amplification of, of content creation and, and, and social media. Tell us about, about Slate, how the product works and where you're finding success. Yeah. Yeah. So Slate is an enterprise content creation tool. And basically, in its simplest form, if you think about how content is created today natively on social media, like an app, the Instagram stories application or Snapchat, there's all these ways to produce content easily on a phone for anybody like you or I to be able to be creative, right? To add fonts, stickers, overlays on our own videos or videos from our camera roll and post those. And that really is the best way to program content for these these platforms that are getting the most views. Even TikTok is very heavy on font overlays and editing content right there within the app. Mm-hmm. The problem that we identified is that brands need the ability to create content in that same way, except with only their brand elements, not the stock assets that's provided you know, right. in Instagram for everybody. So We've created um, a platform where brands could control their own brand elements, creative colors, logos, sponsors, animations, and then have an application that enables their social teams to create content in a way that's as quick and easy as a platform like Instagram Stories, and then push that content directly to any social network. And we've really started in traditional sports because I came from the NFL and I think a lot of people who, who follow sports teams across the NFL, NBA, um, MLB are, are noticing more branding on Instagram stories that we like to think that we've, we helped spark that trend. And we have a lot of teams using us for, for that. And we, we've seen some esports teams use it too. I think the the cool thing about traditional sports and esports is that there's often a blending of the two. The, the Timberwolves have an esports team. The Patriots use it on their esports account. And we started getting our first uses from the traditional teams we were already working with. And sometimes it's the same social manager on both accounts. We've been able to see application there already, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. And you came from, like you mentioned, an NFL background and your entire background after college was in, is the NFL from the team side to a really a really robust global career on on the league side i think you've had just a phenomenal trajectory noticing those gaps i think is really integral i think most founders in general are are the ones who can identify a gap come up with a solution and then and then really figure out like, how are you going to bring that to market? You guys have had really great success there. Tell me a little bit about how your NFL background really led. I just want to hear like that founder story. Like, mm. how did it lead to discovering that this was a potential, first of all? And then the second part of that question, 
the leap, like the leap into being a founder, was that scary? Like how, how did you, what gave you the confidence to just go out and, and move and, and do that? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the first part of that, where the idea came from and how it kind of came to be, it was a little bit kind of light bulb moment and also brought about through a lot of other factors that just, it wasn't something that I had been like stewing about for a while and like always thinking I wanted to do and like finally found the right time to do it. It was more of a mix of a time in my career in my life where I was looking for something different and an opportunity that came up and a spark that said, Hey, wait, that would be a great idea. And some people that were able to execute on it quickly. So basically my co-founders were, we have four co-founders at Slate. The other three were already working on a different startup for basically a year before before Slate in, in 2018. One of them is one of my good friends. We actually worked together at the 49ers. So he came from the sports world. He was a video producer there. He left sports to go into product development and tech about five, six years ago. But he always, we always stayed in touch and talked about ideas. And he let me know he was starting this other company and would always kind of call me to talk about things. And the, this was a, a totally different product. It had some elements that ended up becoming Slate. And basically, with him and I talking about the current product where they were at um, and what they were looking to do next, there was a moment where, you know, and that product was was designed to give users, anyone like you or I, the ability to type in a brand's font, like over text message. So you could right. like SMS somebody in the 49ers font it, directly in text message. And there was a brand that had mentioned to them, hey, we'd love to just be able to type with our own fonts on our phone on top of like photos or videos. Wow. And he was telling me that. And it, I got really excited about the idea of everything we just talked about as a social manager to be able to have my own graphics, overlays, the sponsors I'm trying to execute on, like all right there in the same sort of an editor as Instagram provides and be able to control that with my design team we just started to get really excited. And I remember the phone call specifically and hung up the call. I didn't really think about it again too much, like right after, but my co-founder, Michael went back to the other two people on his startup and, and talked about it. And they were able to build a prototype like super quickly. Normally you have an idea and you have to find like developers and invest. Mm -hmm. Like they already were, were working on a version of it almost. And yeah. from that conversation, was able to build a version. And once you see it and play around with it and this idea, then obviously we did a little research, realized this thing doesn't exist in the way we had thought about it for enterprises, and then started pitching it to NFL teams. Like, hey, we have this thing. We think it's a great idea. Would you want to try it? And then realized pretty quickly there was like a product market fit and that we were onto something because teams got really excited about it. Having that network in sports already, both me and my co-founder, like obviously helped us take a big leap of having an idea and actually reaching out to those people where normally you have a startup, if getting in front of somebody at the Minnesota Vikings wouldn't be very easy. For us, we were able to do that and the product made a ton of sense. And we often heard from 
and we still do from the people that we pitched you like, oh, I wish I had come up with this idea. It's obvious once. Yeah, it is. Once you pitch it. And that's, yeah, that's always exciting to be like, yes, like this is this fit. This does need to exist. Yeah. You're like, uh, when when you guys showed it to me and it was a bit ago and I know it's really been amplified and evolved since then, I was like, duh. Yeah. And there's (laughs) a similar startup called Really that does like automatic video highlight clips in gaming and esports and they started in traditional sports and I remember when I first watched them at a demo day I'm like oh my all I could think about was working for the Minnesota Timberwolves and all of the man hours that we used to put into to you record an entire game and then you go back and you rewatch the game and you're hand selecting highlights the whole time and you're like of course you can use AI to do this. Like yeah. what you guys have done and just for our listeners, it's almost like it. a lot of people that I talk to about this, they say Canva and I'm sure you've heard other people say Canva, right? Like it's just super intuitive. It does the work for you, but it's yep. almost like a fifth grade sticker book. It is like the little sticker frames and the little icons, but they're hyper, they're, they're created by the team. They are so cool because it gives the team the ability to really highlight specific players or the mantras of the team working in pro sports. You and I both know that each season has its own cadence and its own like calling card and its own hashtag strategies. When you can put that into, into a design aesthetic that can just layer on like a sticker book on photos that fans are taking at an event or of an event, or even resharing team content and layering these elements in it just makes the most complete obvious sense that it would be completely customized but you guys were ahead of the game like you saw it the opportunity before anyone else was doing it so was it like you had your nine to five at the nfl and then this was your five to nine or did you just drop everything and go all in yeah, that that was what it was like the, the the former, not the latter. Because and I actually got put in a pretty. It, it was a unique situation, um, and it's a longer story. But I guess the short version of it is my girlfriend at the time, who's now my fiance. So I made the right decision. Yeah, yeah, um, we we were long distance, and she was living in Portland, and I really wanted to move up here and. I ended up, but I was still full-time at the NFL based in LA and the NFL doesn't have a long history of just like having people work remote. Right. Um, so, now. <laughs> yeah, everyone does now. But at the time I was like, okay, how do I make this work? Do I quit my NFL job and look for a job up there? That was like right when we had the, we're starting to talk about Slate. So it wasn't like enough of a thing yet where I was like ready to just like jump and dive in. But it was enough of a thing where I was starting to get really excited about it. And what ended up happening was I convinced my team at the NFL to let me work remote full time for for that season. That was last NFL season, the 2019-2020 season. And in doing so, I ended up becoming a contract worker for them. So I wasn't like technically full time anymore. So my nine to five like really was like nine to five. And I felt like I had the freedom after those hours to do the work on slate so it ended up being the perfect like transition year where i had this kind of contract work at the nfl was pretty much still doing my same same job but felt like i had the freedom 
in my free time to to work on Slate and not feel like, okay, I have another full-time job that I'm neglecting. I was you yeah. know, a contractor for them at the time and worked with pretty closely with my boss and the legal team at the NFL to make sure they were comfortable with everything, knowing that we were also working with NFL teams at that time on, on behalf of Slate. So went through that process and made sure it was all like above board and there was everything was signed off on and they were super supportive of me there. And, and my boss at the time was very supportive in letting me work remote and knowing that I was working on this other project that would probably eventually take me away if it grew enough, which it did. Technically, I was with the NFL through last Super Bowl, which is crazy to think about where that was just like February of of this year. Like even when we met, I think I came straight from the NFL draft to Minnesota, wow. like put on, took off my NFL hat, put on my slate hat for that weekend. And then shortly after, yeah, I ended up leaving. So not as brave of a story in terms of jumping in full time, because by the time it was a very safe way to transition. Cause by the yeah. time, by the time I officially left the NFL, we had already like secured investment and had customers and knew this was like a real, the real deal. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? Honestly, that is such, I don't know who your boss was, but what a phenomenal testament of truly being the type of leader within an organization that your boss must have been to see the potential of what you were building and leaning in on one of their employees and allowing them without jealousy, without fear of, of, I think a lot of times the managers, bosses, they, they just think about what it, what you can do for them. And I don't know who your boss was there, but that is a phenomenal story in true leadership because had you been embedded in another organization, there could have been a likelihood that you would have been stomped out. Yeah, that person needs a fruit basket. That's phenomenal. When you were at the 49ers, did you work with Ethan Casson? I did, yeah. We yeah. crossed over for a little bit there. I always remembered him as the, the best dressed man in the room. <laughs> yes, he's so fancy. We worked together <laughs> at the Wolves. He's phenomenal. Craig Sargent, I think, was a sales guy there as well. Yeah, I worked right. with at Ideal Seat, another sports tech startup that is no longer because COVID really killed the ability for any type of ticket sales platform. It doesn't really have a lot of a lot of demand right now. But yeah. yeah, the 49ers organization, like it's really cool to see brands evolve. And and that's been that was that's a really cool success story of that stadium build and the big Levi's partnership. And it's been, it's been cool to watch, but what are some of the things working within traditional sports and an NFL team that, that you really have carried with you into esports? and what are the things that you've seen in esports that are so different from working in pro sports? Cause there's a few that I've noticed from that yeah. transition. Yeah. I think some of this, the similarities, the, the importance of of the brand of a team where the teams put a ton of effort into defining their brand and maintaining it. And that's just as crucial in esports as it is in, in regular sports. And like having a logo that's recognizable and how that drives affinity and merch sales. I also think some of 
some of the social media, the social media like sponsorship value and like looking at these like assets as assets that like sponsors could take advantage of. There's obviously a lot of differences in terms of the types of assets you could sell, but I think there's obviously a similar thought process there about like how to how to build an audience and then and then monetize it through content. And of course, like an emphasis on like the superstars and building up their their profiles and how it connects back to the team. And the differences in in that instance is oftentimes in esports, the the superstars are more well known and more established than the teams themselves. <laughs> Whereas the 49ers have a long history before any you know, one new draft pick comes along and there's more of a loyalty, obviously, for a fan base towards a team than yeah. in esports. There seems like the loyalty lies with the streamers and the gamers because they've built those connections and those platforms themselves before the leagues even existed, really. So that's a big difference. And also a big difference and something that really excites me about um, esports and where we fit in and just the future of it is kind of the the endless stream of content it's it's almost there's an nfl game happening every day 20 times or more because yeah. um, yeah. all the best gamers are gaming all the time and they're always streaming it and there's like an endless supply of highlights to turn around and like live streams to watch and new games to follow that becomes like a really exciting proposition i think for everybody involved in in the business in terms of how much content that could be generated at a low cost right anyone could turn on and stream it at any time i think in traditional sports the few highlights that come from a big game are at a premium you're not really allowed to film all of practice so you're not like getting a clip every day of the players doing stuff whereas in esports there's almost so many that they're trying to figure out how do we program if you're a team or a brand like how do we get access to these clips and program them accordingly and that's kind of what excites me the more we talk to teams of how much content they have to try to turn around and brand in real time which for us is somewhere where we think we could help that's the most perfect segue into really honing in on slate as a whole, it's it's so easy to understand if you're on the team side and then how a team could activate a partnership. But if you're a brand, if you're a especially if you're a consumer product, right? Like consumer product goods, utilizing technology like this and really layering that into everything they do consistently, because I know a lot of consumer product brands that are maybe partnering with multiple pro teams. They're also in esports. They've got individual influencers, whether they're TikTok influencers or Instagram influencers, in addition to the streamers, right? Like they could essentially create consistency and, and a cohesive approach utilizing Slate that gets fed up to, to every one of their partners, right? Yeah, definitely. There's definitely the idea that so much content on behalf of a brand is being created by a network of different individuals on different accounts and brand ambassadors, influencers, partners. And then you have even like the main brand account and the social media teams 
running that? And like, how do you keep a campaign consistent across all of those elements in a way that's actually actionable, right? Like you're not going to give that whole group of people Photoshop files or tell them they have to like a PDF of a style guide isn't really something that an individual could quickly activate on. Yeah. Um, So we see a big opportunity in that area to help brands maintain consistency across all of their, all of their platforms and all of the, the kind of network of individuals who are creating content on their behalf. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really see two major, major benefits, continuity and consistency, obviously in one bucket. And then just the cost savings in man hours to do this in a traditional model, to be able to have this type of technology at your fingertips is, is really cool. Give us a little bit of a peek um, under the hood of if I'm the social media manager at the Minnesota Rocker Call of Duty team, mm-hmm. what does it, what does this tool look look like for me in, in terms of, of activating all of these assets? Yeah. So basically the, the Rocker team would have a, a web portal, which controls all of their brand elements. And in it, they're able to set their brand colors, upload their fonts, add any sort of creative overlays. So they could add bumpers for when they're showing Twitch highlights or frames with some of their sponsors, any of those sort of content themes that they want to brand on social. Um, And all that could just, is as simple as dragging and dropping those creative elements into their web portal. They could add search terms to it, make them um, very easy to find. They could have stickers for all of their streamers, logos for all of their streamers uh, or gamers. And like I said, like their partners and anything else they want to activate on campaign wise. And that's all controlled through a web portal. And then they'll also have a mobile app that um, is where they're creating content from. So in that mobile app, they're able to ingest media from different sources um, or from their camera roll. And it's as easy as swiping left over a video and those filters will swipe through or searching your brand partner's name and every piece of creative related to that partner comes up and you could drill into the sticker or the overlay you want. You don't have to be a professional designer. You don't need to be in any sort of design tool within Slate. It's If you know how to use Instagram stories, you'd be able to be an expert content creator for any brand that has Slate. So I could give you or I could log into the Rocker account um, if they gave us access and we could create content that would meet their brand aesthetic. And we've often heard from different teams, um, the Rocker included, that they mobilize probably four to seven people to create content internally on their behalf. And they know who's posting to platforms like Instagram stories based on how it looks because everyone has their own style when you post to a platform like that. And there's kind of unlimited options in terms of how many GIFs you could search through, how many AR filters, all of which are off-brand. But with Slate, everyone maintains that level of consistency. And the other element for somebody managing social at the Rocker is toggling between the Rocker account and the V1 account, where it's the same team overseeing multiple brands and they have to always keep track of creating something that's on brand for the rocker and then switching really quickly to create something that's on brand for version one. Um, And within Slate, they can toggle between their brands and have all those elements at their fingertips and really make that workflow faster. And then the third element, which is something we're testing out, 
is putting Slate in the hands of of their players and letting them create content for their own personal accounts that includes the branding of the team and also custom branding that maybe the team dropped in for them. I know a lot of gamers have their own logos and even their own sponsors that they want to activate with. So that's something we're optimistic about as a really great use case. We've seen it in some other sports. The Premier Lacrosse League has given slate to all their players to activate their own personal brands on social. Um, we've, we've seen interest from some universities in that way too. And I think esports is a perfect place for, for that use case because one, it's a smaller roster to manage and two, each gamer really does have their own brand that they, that they need and want to build up further. Yeah. And you look at things like the Teespring integration into Twitch and Teespring is like merchandise for, yeah. for listeners who aren't familiar with Teespring. So if if I'm a streamer and I want to create my own merch line, I can I can upload my own designs and put them on blanks with Teespring, integrate the shopping cart directly into my Twitch. The scalability of something like this within within Twitch streamers, knowing that they're like you said, right? Fans of the esports industry really lean in their their streamer and player specific where you've got a brand like the the Minnesota Vikings or or the Green Bay Packers no they're not going to follow the quarterback to another team and suddenly be a fan of that team but in esports it's it's like that and streamers mm-hmm. the the way that they're able to have this really like personal connection with their fans through their streams that really transcend what anything we've ever seen in history before it's it is a you're spending six hours together so the ability for a streamer to have really strong um personal brand affinity with their fans is is major so yeah for them to be able to to create things so if i'm a fan if i go on my instagram right now and i search the 49ers as I'm posting a story, am I going to get content fed up that came from Slate that they put there? How does it feel from a fan perspective? Is there a way for fans to get in on this action? For fans, they're consuming that content on social. If you're, yeah. So if you're following the 49ers, you're seeing their stories now more reflect their brand and have different sorts of content that you're the fan is like what the 49ers are using slate so that their brand could be represented better to the fan. Now we've heard from some teams, like they would want to put 49ers stickers in the hands of, of fans. We don't have use cases like that yet. It's mm-hmm. more so people creating on behalf of a brand, whether it's for the brand account, a brand ambassador, like I mentioned, like PLL players, but as a fan, there's no kind of way for fans to access the Green Bay Packers filters and stickers and overlays. Okay. That could We're just be sharing it. Case. Yeah. So from a fan perspective, I'm seeing something and then I'm just I'm just sharing it out to my audience or commenting or engaging. Have exactly. you guys tracked, are you seeing increased engagement when they're utilizing these types of features? Yeah. Yeah, it's tough to track, especially on Instagram stories with with their API and what's available. We also don't yet have like our own analytics platform for teams being the content creation engine. A lot of them have analytics through other sources. So 
our tracking comes from the teams reporting um, to us. So we've done a lot of case studies with teams um, who are noticing a lift, something that multiple teams have reported, which is pretty interesting is that, you know, when they use slate overlays that make their content look better and they tag one of their players, they're getting more reposts from those players. Interesting. Um, so yeah, because they're sexier. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Players noticed their players were reposting more, which is you can't track that necessarily one-to-one, but that's an anecdote that, that we've heard from multiple teams. And really part of it too, that I always say when this question comes up is part of the value isn't always just like more views and engagement. If the content is on brand, it's also if you're having 10,000 people view your content one way or the other with Slate or without Slate, you want those 10,000 people to be seeing the brand that you control and deliver to them. Whereas pre-slate, those same people maybe were seeing off-brand elements and you're not reinforcing your brand or deepening your brand or showcasing your sponsors or any of the other things. So there's still value in, it's not always about more views and sometimes sometimes like executives will want to harp on it. It looks cooler, but do I actually get more views from this? Whereas, well, maybe, maybe not, but you get to control your brand to the people that are viewing your content either way. Right. And that's, that's crucial. You would never, it doesn't get you more views or more people to come to a game in stadium. If you had some like the wrong logos or colors up, but you're never going to, not have your brand represented when you have your your captured audience in stadium. Yeah. It's interesting. Some of the things that I saw, because I'm could be your mom. So when I first started working in sports, like social media was MySpace, right? Like it wasn't integrated within our brands at all. At all. I was on MySpace. Were you on MySpace? Oh yeah. Yeah. You got to your your feature song and your Top 10 best friends. Yep. Which all came from high school. <laughs> so I remember I wasn't in-house at the Timberwolves. I was uh, behind the scenes, worked really closely for 17 years. I worked really closely with Ted Johnson, their chief marketing officer, behind the scenes on any type of emerging whatever. So one of the things that was really interesting is when we built out a social media department within the Timberwolves, the process to get a social media post, it was very thoughtful. And there was like red tape approval process to go like show every single little thing that you're planning to do every single post and like going through this red tape to get approval. And everything was extremely thought out. And then what was happening was as the phone technology and the camera technology and phones started to evolve over the years, it was just like mass content a lot of it was garbage. It was just like a constant. And it, and and this isn't a dig on it. This isn't just Timberwolves. This is like everywhere, every brand, yeah. everything. But it was just like, anybody can do it. Who's the youngest person who will take an entry-level job and just crank out and nobody really, it wasn't about quality or thought leadership. It was just about throw some stuff out. And then what we've seen now is the pendulum kind of swing back to we still want more content, but we want there to be this cohesiveness and an and and a quality aspect because the Gary V model is very true. Let's just get a bunch of content out there. 
But if you look at Gary Vee's content, it's pretty well thought out, beautiful content. There's continuity to it. There's a cadence to it. And I think what you're able to really offer up is the ability for a for a, for a team or a brand, or even on the advertising agency side that's managing multiple of these, for them to have the balance between both. You're mm-hmm. saving them so much time that they can push out more content, but you're elevating the assets that they already have to create another layer that brings things kind of up a notch. Would you, like, is that your positioning? I don't know. I'm just... I'm, yeah. I'm making up the way I would sell it if I if I was within your organization. <laughs> like that's how I see it being yeah. really powerful because you're you're really creating a balance between both. You're saving people time and you're making shit look good, like really better. Yeah, no, I think you you hit it spot on there. And like you said, like the rise of the iPhone camera makes make some of those more pre-produced, like high quality stuff obsolete. And oftentimes the best performing piece of content is that raw, authentic shot there on a phone, posted right there on a phone. And we try to marry the idea of keeping your content real and authentic and timely, but also true to your brand. And someone someone who we work with at the Dodgers said it best. Her name's Caroline Morgan, actually. She's their, their VP of marketing. And we were talking about this and about the idea of authenticity on social media and how it's important to be authentic to the platforms that you're posting to. You don't want to take a, every single post, like a post on Instagram stories has a different purpose, a different a different audience than a post on Twitter feed. You're not just going to yep. post the same thing across every platform. Yep. How do you maintain, and I asked her like how she sees like maintaining authenticity on to the social platform and what an audience expects to get on that platform while also being true to your brand. And, and the, what she, the way she put it, I really liked is that she says it's for them, a marriage of, of form and substance, like in for each piece of content, the, the substance of it will match the platform that they're posting to. So Instagram stories, higher volume, shot on a phone behind the scenes, Instagram feed, less content, higher quality, some pre-produced stuff, really high quality imagery and so on and so forth. But in form, it always has to be the Dodgers brand. So it's the Dodgers Instagram story brand, the Dodgers Instagram feed brand, the Dodgers TikTok brand. They're never going to post using an off-brand font on Twitter fleets just because that's what fleets has in it. There's ways to right. to program for that content that represents them, not the platforms that uh, are there. Because really, those platforms built are building stuff for the most, the lowest common denominator in yeah. terms of they want everyone to use it. And what are something that everyone would use? And that's the opposite idea of what a brand would care about. A brand wants to set themselves apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says that's how they look at it to meet the best of both worlds. And that's where we, we fit in. I and mean, I really liked that, that kind of that thought process. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I, I think I, I, I can almost see any brand using this. Have you guys expanded outside of sports? I feel like Blue Cross Blue Shield could use this. I think State Farm could be utilizing this. Have you gotten into traditional brands yet? 
We have a few. We have some beauty brands and a few lifestyle brands using it. We definitely see a bigger, a much bigger opportunity outside of sports. And we're starting to push in that area now. Obviously for us, it was it was easiest to start in sports because one, our network and two, the need exists so much because of how much mm-hmm. kind of live event content they have and branding they have. I do think that's a bit of an element of it is the real time nature of the content makes the platform more and more useful. So yeah. getting content out in a timely manner, sometimes other brands are just agency pre-produced and scheduled weeks in advance. But more and more brands are facing the pressure to program content in real time. I think for for other brands outside of sports, the influencer use case is probably even more compelling because they rely so much on their brand ambassadors to create content. And a lot of their, you look at a lot of beauty brands and their Instagram stories are reposts of individuals who are creating tutorials or product that they sent them that they're testing out and all of that is totally off brand so we see like the ability there and then once events come back brands activate at events that aren't sports (laughs) so we see a lot of that as an easy way in music festivals award shows there's a lot of places where brands who aren't even used to it like sports teams are are faced with the pressure of trying to create content in real time So we see more opportunities there too, hopefully in in 2021 when stuff starts to come back. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just a remarkable tool. You guys left such a lasting impression on me, which is why I wanted to talk talk to you about the really the the powerful marketing story that you have, because what you're doing is, is you're really evolving the process within the marketing tactics with with these teams and and with influencers which i think is really powerful what's what's next for you what's the end game are you wanting to continue this are you looking towards an exit in the future do you have other ideas in the works what what's what's next for slate yeah yeah really we just want to keep keep growing our our customer base and growing the tool to meet those needs i think that's that's what set us apart to start is no tool like ours existed just to service enterprises. And we've been listening to our customers and growing the um, product feature set to really meet their very, very specific needs. And we just see a lot of a lot of opportunity in front of us because of that. And there's still a lot of sports teams that that aren't using it. We just talked about esports. It's one that we're just trying to start breaking into with some of the innovative esports properties that are using us, universities, and then moving on to more traditional brands, like you mentioned, I think we have a lot of of room to grow. And we Mm -hmm. think 2021 is going to be a big year for us. And we've been able to grow a lot during this year, which is obviously been a feat in and of itself and proves our product fit in terms of where things are headed in social media. And yeah, in terms of an end game, I think we're all just at our company, just excited about really the next two to five years and how how big we can grow this company in the enterprise space. And we don't have kind of a, a set playbook of we'd love to be bought by X company or okay. become uh, an IPO or something. I think we're focused on hitting hitting our end of year goal right now and then growing really exponentially in 2021. Amazing. So listeners here, 
who are working with either an esports property or team or an, a really robust esports startup that you're focused on, your brand, or, or even traditional marketers or traditional sports teams, you got to take a look. We're trying to describe things the best that we can. I've seen it. For me to be able to have this conversation, like I already, I know, I know the power of it because I've, I've seen it in action. You've got to get in touch with Eric and his team. You need to see a demo of how this works. Eric, what's the best way for somebody to learn about Slate? Do you want them just to go straight to the website and, and self-lead? Do you want them to reach out to you? Like, How can someone who's listening to this that is getting excited and isn't excited as I am, like, how can they take the next step with, with, your, with your team? Yeah, um, definitely reach out to me. Our website is slateteams.com. It doesn't have everything someone would need because we are enterprise focused. So you'll probably get to a point where you'll have to request a demo <laughs> to learn more. So we like to talk to each uh, potential customer individually and show them a personalized demo and really break down, learn from them about their needs and interests. So always open to demoing people if they hit me up over email, which I'm happy to provide. You could also go to the website and request a demo and, and we'll, we can go through that route but would love to, to hop on the phone with, with anyone interested in, in learning more. Yeah. And it's eric at slateteams.com, correct? Yes. If yeah, anyone to you an email. This is so cool. I, I, I think in the future, when I start building out a video series on innovation in esports, I, I want to have you back. And I, and I really want to do a, a sit-down video conversation as well really targeted on on the technical aspects of this if you're open mm-hmm. to that i think it'd be super this is this is wonderful this is just like super fun to chat with you and learn more about it thanks so much for for coming on the show and and sharing about what you're doing i think you guys are going to find massive success in the esports space and i look forward to continuing conversations with you as, as things evolve really think of myself as an as as like an early adopter of, of what yeah. you're doing and i know the rocker are having conversations right now. I, I hope they really lean in on it and test it out so I can I can see more applications there. But yeah, if you're on the team side, what the research that I've done independently, it's a no, I think it's a no-brainer. It completely pays pays for itself. So great work, Eric. Loved talking with you today and, and thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for being an advocate for us. And you've definitely helped educate me in the esports space and continue to be a valuable contact. And I really, really appreciate that and appreciate you having me on and excited to continue the conversations. We're actually onboarding Rocker's social team tomorrow. So I'll follow up with you next week with how how their usage starts to unfold. I love that. I love it. Yeah. The, a couple people that work on their content team that I've spoken to are really excited about the, the potential of the lift that, that you guys can can bring to this space. Would love to continue that conversation offline as well about the best ways we can amplify not only that partnership, even feeding back case studies and and ensuring that that more people hear about about what you're doing. Thanks so much for coming on, my listeners. I really encourage you to reach out to Eric and and his team to learn more about about this really innovative product that's going to really elevate your brand and, and marketing strategies on on the social side. So. Thanks so much. Have a great night, Eric. Bye. Thank you.